True or not. KWFN FM and KWFN HD1 San Diego, a radio.com sports station. This is Fernando Tatis Jr. from the San Diego Padres. Lane Tatis up for the backhand. He's got it. Perfectly timely. The Padres play here on San Diego number one sports station, 97.3 Defense. This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now... Here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. Now, I've been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for 27 years. I've, been, I've enjoyed every single year doing that. If you have an investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or considering should you hold it or not, please call in at 833-288-288. 0973. Write this number down. 833-288-0973. And that'll get you through if you're unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about that. With that, let's uh, pull in Chase. Chase, good morning. Good morning. Good to be here. Yeah, we got a lot of things to talk about this morning. Uh, wild week uh, last week on Wall Street, making some good money. A lot of confusion with people right now in the markets, and, and uh, that's what we want to kind of clear up today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was a good week. I believe it was the best week since 1974. I think you're right. Yeah. So I was, it was, uh, again, a big positive for, for people that didn't panic. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here shortly. In 1974, I was thinking, what year was that? Why is that so special? That's the year I graduated high school. <laughs> <laughs> now Congratulations. Me knows how old, yeah, now he knows how old I am. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, a lot to talk about. And, and before I go into what we want to talk about, I, I do want to mention that this is the week uh, of our webinar. It's going to be Thursday, April 16th. Uh, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, so four different times for you to tune into. Now, what you will learn is how our management style is different from other investment advisors and brokers. We are not brokers or investment advisory firm. We do not sell product. We actually do things on a fee basis only. We're one of about 62,000 in the country that are fee basis only. Now there are over 690,000 brokers and advisors nationwide. So being part of that 9% exclusive club, we're very thrilled about that. So we do give you unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion on what you should be investing in. Also too, at the webinar, we'll talk how to invest, what to look for when investing, and where you should invest your money now. Most importantly, how to keep your emotions low and in check when investing. Very hard to do. We'll show you why you want to do that and how to do that. Again, the webinar is this Thursday, April 16th. Uh, times will be 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, or 7. You tune in any one of those four there. You need to go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000.com, and that's where you can register for the webinar Thursday, April 16th, and also do a lot of other good things on our website as well. So, well, let's talk about what we're going to talk about here, because obviously COVID-19 is still around, um, and, and I talk about this, and some people say, why are you talking about this? Well, we do manage hundreds of millions of dollars, 
and it is very important. It's had an effect, obviously, on investing. So what I'm trying to have people look at is that we are looking out uh, two, three, four, five years down the road on buying equities. I look for signs in the current situation that give me the green light, say, yes, now's the time to go. And there's a great article in the Western Journal uh, uh, this past week, I think it was. Yeah, past mm -hmm. week. Uh, share to us uh, what that was, Jason. Yeah, well, so the, the, the models, and everybody keeps talking about these models, and oh my gosh, the models are going to peak here, and the models are going to peak here, and, and there's so much information out there, and, and I think it's just really scaring people, and there's just, again, a lot of conflicting information out mm -hmm. there as well. And we looked at you know a model here uh, that was actually from the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, it predicted that New York State would need 50,962 beds on April 1st, and peak usage on April 9th would be 76,130. Well, actually go to when the data was actually current and the actual numbers that happened, not looking at the models. April 1st, the beds that were needed were 12,226 versus, again, the estimate of 50,962 nearly 39,000 less than expected. So the reason we point this out again is not saying, oh my gosh, it's, you know, don't worry about it. Again, it is still something that we need to be concerned about, but don't look at these numbers and say, oh my gosh, the model says you're going to have 2 million people dying. <laughs> That's not what is going to help us get out of this. That's just going to scare people more, and I think it could have a detrimental impact on our economy. Going through this now, and I mean, now that we kind of have this week from hell supposedly that's what we're supposed to be in wasn't as bad as i think many people predicted and you know we we talked about this in the office so that's what we try to share about what chase and i talk uh, in the office uh one thing i brought up was that if you're the mainstream media and yes i'm in the media i'm on newsmax i'm on one american news network i'm on local uh, tv here ksi you're on fox 5 um one thing i brought up was that looking at what their job is their job is getting emotional but our, our job is is to give people a the truth and what's really going on. But if you're a reporter and you have, and I'll, I'll use a bit of example, you, you have somebody that's saying, you know what, we're going to need by April 1st 50,962 beds. Wow, that's sensational. There, there may have been somebody else saying, you know, it's not going to be that high. It's going to be maybe 12, maybe 15,000. As a reporter, who are you going to put on? The guy that says, ah, it's not going to be that bad. I mean, it's bad, 12 to 15,000. But as a reporter, you want to sensationalize it, like, wow, 51,000 beds. And they will always go with the worst-case scenario to get that news out there. Yeah, and it, again, is important. I do want to point out that, that we're not saying this isn't a terrible situation. It is. And I'm just pointing out that, you know, I'm not going to come out with any models and say how right. many people are going <laughs> to, you know, how many beds we're going to need and so forth. But again, just be very, very cautious looking at the news and seeing these, these elevated numbers because, I, again, it's, it's going to scare you more than I think really help you. And the thing that you should be looking at is, again, taking care of yourself, practicing the social distancing, washing your hands, yeah. doing the necessary steps to get us through this so hopefully we can get the economy opened back starting in May. And I, I do believe we're going to have a limited reopening. The floodgates aren't just going to open. Very important I point that out. Right. But do what you can to help. Be very cautious looking at these numbers because, again, you don't know what you're looking at. You're going to see hundreds of different models likely that could be completely inaccurate and is not going to help whatsoever. Exactly. There's going to be things that will come out. And, again, we different things out there. Maybe they'll, they'll release some by age groups, by regions, maybe things we haven't even thought of yet. 
but we will see some type of opening, I believe, uh, around May 1st. I'll get things up and going. But it's not going to be like, oh, everybody can do, go back to normal. Yeah. And I, I I have seen, and we had a discussion actually in the office. You said you think it'll be May 1st. I said I think it'll be May 4th right. because May 1st is a Friday, so I think they're going to want that extra weekend. And I have seen a lot of manufacturing plants from like the automakers. They said they're going to reopen May 4th. May 4th. Okay. Well, so I'll, that's my estimation right. is All May right, 4th. Well, <laughs> i, I got to say, I, I kind of hope you're wrong because yeah. I had that weekend, but We'll see. I don't know if I can stand one more weekend stuck in my house. But um, all right. Also, too, we, we have been talking about, and again, we try to look at things to, to understand where we really stand. Because, again, we're investing money. We want to make sure we're doing the right thing. Well, one thing we looked at was our economy is much stronger and should be handled the tough time that we're going through right now. Now, what we did, we compared it to the financial crisis 12 years ago, the credit quality, uh, subprime loans, all these different things. Uh, Chase, share with us a little bit on the numbers, why we're so confident that things are not as bad financially as people think they are. Well, again, I, I talk about 2008, 2009. It was actually a, a financial crisis. You had some serious problems with the financial yep. system, and it, it was really dragged down by a lot of you know mortgages, people that had heavy debt ratios. And we look at a debt service ratio. It was actually the highest ever back in 2007. So you had a very, very high rate there, which really catapulted us and I think drug out the recovery. Well, before this crisis, we actually had the best, the lowest household debt service ratio since 1981 and a positive savings rate. So having that type of financial strength going into this crisis that we're having will actually, again, I think lead to that V-shaped recovery where we can get back to a, a good economy here within a couple months. And also, too, the other thing that we're looking at is that the government did add $2 trillion to this economy. Now, it's going to come out slowly. It's kind of like I was thinking of driving in. It's kind of like the checks in the mail. It will be there. Just be patient with it. <laughs> um, that is going to help small businesses, uh, large businesses. We saw uh, about a week or so ago, Carnival Cruise Line hit the debt market. Needed, what, Ford got up to $17 billion if they wanted it. Uh, but also what came out this past week is the Federal Reserve said, we're going to come out with $2.3 billion to hit that in-between market. The, the, the companies that don't have enough money to go to the, the debt markets, but yet they're above a small business. They're going to have, what, it's up to 10,000 jobs. Uh, sales have to be or revenue has to be less than $2.5 billion. That's another thing that they, they, they hit. So they are throwing everything at this, which in, in 2008, 2009, it took the government about a year to actually come in. I think they only came out with $1.4 not what we have now. Well, no, it's such an interesting point to actually bring that out because I, I was reading the other day, was think about when the crisis hit. It was at the end of 2008. Yeah. Well, they were in the midst of an election at that point, and they were in the midst of changing guard, so to speak, with right. the new administration. So the, the federal government really couldn't act that quickly. They kind of had their hands tied and were just sitting there watching like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible, <laughs> and couldn't do anything. Fortunately, and, you know, it's not political by any means, but fortunately we have the administration in place. We have, you know, the House. We have, you know, the Senate. Everybody's in place there right now. We're not in the midst of an election. We're in the midst of an election year, but the election is later on in the year, so we were able to act so much quicker, which is, again, I think going to be a big, big benefit for us to get to that recovery much quicker. Plus the Federal Reserve, they jumped in way quicker than they did during the financial crisis. That's why you see so much liquidity that I think is just going to be waiting to be spent 
once we can get out of this uh, quarantine. And, and also, too, Chase, you bring up some good points, too, and, and the difference with the financial crisis, too, and it kind of started, like, in June of 2008. I, I forget, who was it Sherson Lehman? Somebody actually, or Bear Stearns, yeah. I think they closed in, in June. They had major problems. That was kind of the start of the financial problems. So it was kind of a slow thing. With COVID-19, it was a quick thing. It was like, we just turned off the switch. Nope, shutting down the economy. No slow buildup. And that, I believe, is going to cause a quick return. And I, I did a segment, I think it was on uh, Max TV yesterday, uh, Max News. Max Newsmax. News, Newsmax, thank you, Newsmax, um, talking about um, the, the bear markets. And the shortest bear market, I did not realize this until I did the research, was 1990, three months bear market. And we could have a very similar situation. Now, ours might even be less. Well, we'll yeah, I, I think we're going to get out of it quicker. I yeah. mean, I, I really do. Um, and I, I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of economic news coming out. You, you know, you see the jobless claims every single week. And, and I hate to say it because I am such a, a numbers person. These economic numbers mean absolutely nothing. You have an economy okay. that's shut down. They they don't give you any data that's really beneficial to making investment decisions at this point, in my opinion, because it doesn't matter. You're going to see the economy recover. You're going to see, you know, people come back to work. All this stuff going on right now is not going to help you. And, and don't look at the jobs come and say, see, that's exactly why I'm not investing because, you know, we're going to have a high unemployment rate. Because if we do come back quickly, you're going to be, gosh, why did I not invest? That was, you know, silly of me to just be sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, and, and there's so many things you got to look at beyond the headlines. And that's what happens. Many people just look at the headlines, which is the wrong thing to do. So uh, let's talk about investing because, you know, investing in a bear market, it is very difficult. Your emotions run high and people make emotional decisions as opposed to intellectual decisions. Uh, what I'm talking about is people who invest in companies that have held up well during the downturn. And I'll bring up Amazon, Netflix, and there's other companies that held very well. So people are saying, that's where I'm going to invest. It's a big mistake they're making. Let's explain why. Yeah, well, I mean, those are the companies that haven't had that, that value opportunity. Their, their valuations continue to be at elevated levels. And, you know, you look at a company like Amazon, I, I don't know what they're trading at right now, uh, but the likelihood that that company doubles I don't even, think it's very high. Even up 40 or 50% we're talking. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very low in my opinion that that company, you know, has that big surge because you haven't had that pullback. Right now it's at $2,050. So the likelihood that company goes to $4,100, I think very, very unlikely over the next, you know, five, even seven years. I just don't see how Amazon doubles again. Uh, again, continues to be very, very expensive. You've already had that big run-up in it. So you want to start looking for companies that have been beaten up. I mean, we have a, a, a retail company, a brand company that we just bought. Gosh, several years ago, they were trading at 70 Just two years ago, they were trading at 50 Now we got them around 10 to $12 a share for some people. That company could very well double in the next two to three years. I would not be surprised maybe to even have it double within a year. I mean, it, it could very well happen because it is so inexpensive. And if we get things back on track, that is the type of value that you want to try and find. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of good things out there, and you've got to really look at that. You've got to make sure they have a strong balance sheet. And again, the company you're talking about, we're not going to give it away. It's for our clients. We become a client, you'll know what the company is. <laughs> but, I mean, they, they opened a very hefty dividend. They did pause it. You know, they suspended it for now. Right thing to do. Everybody's kind of 
trying to, to, to contain their cash, but I believe they'll come back with that dividend probably in the third, maybe the fourth quarter. And wow, then you got a great, and I think we're already up on that company. I want to say 50%. I, I forget what closed on Friday, but we're maybe 40%. So, But that's what you have to do. And I, and I did look at uh, Amazon. Just to kind of let you know, we do look at P.E. ratios, which is a price-earning ratio. Their P.E. ratio at the end of the year was 88.7. That means it would take you 88 years to get what you pay for that stock based on the past earnings. Now, again, they're doing a great job through this. I mean, people are doing a lot of online buying and so forth because it's very convenient but that's the other thing now is you can't buy a company based on what's going on now because it's not gonna do well long term another company that we talked about was clorox they've gone mm -hmm. up substantially and that's a little bit different that's a great company but i i don't know what they're trading at but they're they become very expensive so don't look at what has done well and what you think is going to do well during this crisis look at good businesses that are down 30 40 maybe 50 percent that are paying, we, we bought a company last week that's paying nearly a 5% dividend, and they're a very strong company. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what you got to look for because that's how you're going to do well longer term. And I'm longer term now with this situation, 12, 24 months is what we're kind of talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, and even if it's not 12 to 24 months, we, we always say, again, we're not picking companies for the next two to three days. We're picking them for the next two to three years at least. Yep. Sometimes we can hold them even longer. And I, I, I did want to point out, you know, I've been seeing just so much news and you know media and, and different financial experts they say gosh did we not learn from the 2008 2009 crisis i mean as i said we have clawed back you know a lot of those losses already well in 2008 2009 what happened was we did have that kind of bump of 20 percent off the lows in 2008 but then 2009 the losses re-accelerated and people say well it's going to happen again and you can't draw correlations between different historical periods sometimes i mean this is a completely different situation and what happens here is if we do get a second wave yes we are going to have a pullback in the market if we do not get a second wave and we get a treatment and we get testing taken care of we will not have that pullback you cannot try and draw that correlation between these two time periods it is not the same it is a completely different situation and i said so please again if we do have that pullback Look at where we'll be two to three years from now and say, wow, I did get a good business at a very good price. Right. And maybe you buy it at 10, it goes back down to 8, like, oh, gosh, I lost 20%. But in two, three years, it could be at 15, maybe 20, like, wow, what a great investment that was. And you won't remember then that it dropped down when you bought it at 10, went to 8. You're just going to be like, wow, look how, how great it did. So, And this is why it's so important if you don't know what you're doing. And I'm not, we're getting a lot of new accounts coming in because people say, gosh, this is hard. I don't know what I'm doing. You've got to know what you're doing. If you do not know how to read financial statements and you're very emotional, you need to hire a professional. You need to listen to the Smart Investing Show every Saturday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to help you out. Um, but that's what we do is we do not act on emotions. And our, our slogan is no emotions, just results. We've had that for years. Works out very well. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, the other thing that's very interesting is, gosh, I'm blanking on the, the gentleman's name that was a value fund manager. You talked to him on the phone. Oh, David uh, Dreamin? Yeah, David Dreamin. He wrote yes. a book talking about yeah. how people try and draw different correlations from different things where, you know, he talked about a situation where you're driving down the freeway and every time the red car drives by, you know, a hand goes out the window. But then that one time that hand doesn't go out the window, that's no longer a correlation. People try and look at these different items and say, oh, this happened then, so it's going to happen again. You, you can't predict that with 100% accuracy. Just, yeah, it's not going to work, and it could very well hinder your performance right. in the long term. And that's such a good point because, again, and, and David Dreamin, he was a successful manager. I think he had, and this was back before, because I think he was managing money for 
for 50 years. He was around for a long time. A good value manager. Did very, very well during you know down periods. A great book. Uh, you know, if you want a good value book, uh, read David Dreaming because he's got some great points like he just brought out. Um, but <laughs> lost my train of thought. Uh, but no, I mean, it's very important not to look at. Uh, you know, uh, patterns and so forth, thinking you found something because a pattern can mean nothing at all. Like you talked about the hand out the window and red car goes by that. That's, oh yeah, see that happens and it will change for no reason. What you need to do if you want to invest properly and, and grow your money long-term is look at the financials of a business. That's what you're doing, buying a small piece of a large business. So, all right. Uh, I do see we got a couple people holding. Uh, let me get the phone numbers again. It's uh, 833 Two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, that's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. If you're holding, please hold a little bit longer. I do want to mention because this is going to be the last uh, webinar that we have for maybe a month or so. So if you really are concerned about what am I doing, what are, the, what are Brent and Chase talking about, how do I do that, we're going to show you at our webinar. It's going to be Thursday, April sixteenth. Uh, the times available are 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Chase, it's kind of funny. We do our live workshop, Seating's Limited. Webinar, no limiting on the seating. <laughs> you, can have, you know, a thousand people show up, and, it, and it's fine. Uh, what you're going to learn at that uh, webinar, how our management style is different from other investment advisors and brokers. It is completely different. I promise you, you're not going to see anybody else that does the research that we do. Um, how to invest, what to look for in investing, and where you should invest your money now. And most importantly, how to keep your emotions low when investing. What causes the problems with the emotions? We'll show you that. But you got to sign up. you got to go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And again, that is the webinar Thursday, April 16th, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and 7 o'clock. And hope to see you there. I guess we can say that. Well, we won't technically see them, but we, we know they'll be there. Hope right? to see your name on the screen, I guess. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I like that. Okay. All right. Phone numbers again here, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And as always, it'll get through for your unbiased, no strings attached, for no opinion about what you want to talk about. Let's go out to La Jolla and speak with James. James, you're on the Smart Investor event, Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, hey, first of all, thanks for your show last week. Uh, I, I bought some Carnival last week, and then I like 23% in three days. Well, there you go. That's <laughs> what we like to hear. And just wait till that dividend comes back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, of course, well, it could go well, lower in the short term, but that's, again, like we talked about. <laughs> two to three years from now, I think it'll be looking good. Hey, throw some trailing stops in there and just ride it, you know. Um, which uh, you talk about dividends. I'm generally a dividend investor. Okay. And uh, um, before I get into that, I was going to just ask you about the COVID thing and how it's affecting the data feed companies like Reuters or Blackstone or, or uh, FactSheet, FactSet or Bloomberg, you know, with all the people not being able to go to work in uh, India, I guess, is where a lot of that stuff originates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, what's going on with the data feeds? You know, I I haven't seen anything on our data feeds. Now, we have seen at our financial company where we're our custodian, uh, Charles Schwab, uh, we have seen that people working from home has closed, not closed, but really slowed things down a lot. I mean, a, a person at Charles Schwab used to be able to open, what, seven accounts a day. Now they're doing two, so it has kind of slowed that down a little bit for us. But the data feeds, I, I have not seen anything. We've changed. Yeah, because we, we actually use Thompson Writers for yeah. our uh, right. our data, right. and we have not had a, any problems with uh, getting data. It's 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 been 
yeah. working just fine. And, you know, that, that is the data source we use. And I haven't heard anything. I'm sure he would have, uh, like if Bloomberg was having proms or, yeah. you know, the other uh, data feed companies, I'm, I'm sure it would have made the headlines. So I, I think the company is doing a pretty good job. I'm sure a lot of it has become kind of automated now as well. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've probably got some pretty good processes in place. Oh, there's that. Yeah. I had one more thing. How about, uh, since I'm a dividend investor, by the way, the, the dividend aristocrats are up from like a 2.8 average yield to a 3.45 mm-hmm. average yield. So what do you, what do you think the effects of COVID is going to be on the ability of companies to continue to pay dividends? I realize that's an overly general question, but, uh, I, I, uh, I think you will see more companies just to be cautious, like we talked about some of our businesses that we bought, they, I, just being cautious that they could reduce or suspend their dividend. Now, we have two companies in our portfolio, uh, both of them paying dividends, I want to say, for 40 or 50 years approximately. I don't think they're sure. going to cut their dividend, but they, they could maybe reduce it or something just to save that cash. Uh, but the dividend aristocrats, I, I forget what their criteria is. Uh, I would be very careful. I did pull up the company you want to talk about. I will tell you that it's not looking good for them on their dividend. But <laughs> so, and I, I think it is important just with those businesses. Like a lot of people, oh, I hope they don't cut the dividend. I, I would rather see that company suspend that dividend in the short term, like you know, spend it for two quarters, and then maybe reinstate that dividend. And you know, Exxon is one that I believe is part of the dividend aristocrat companies, and I I believe that they should have suspended their dividend. I think that uh, they're actually borrowing money to pay out that dividend. I think it could hinder their long-term performance um, just because they don't have the cash flow to invest in the business. I think it'd be far better to, you know, save some of that cash, invest in that company for the, the, the potential projects that could produce cash flow down the road and not worry about the short-term performance of the stock. Um, but that that's just my personal opinion, and we'll see what happens. I, I do think a lot of companies will end up suspending those dividends, but I, I think it'll be a short suspension. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, they, they, yeah, James. Let's the criterion is they the criterion is they haven't missed a quarterly dividend for 25 years, and they've increased it every year for 25 years. So, I'm thinking yeah. about the ego involved and in staying on that list. Yeah, exactly. So. All right. So, I, I know you want to talk about the rider systems. Do you do you hold that, uh, sure. James? Looking about it. I've got some call options on it that expire about a year and a half out because I'm just waiting to see what happens to it. Okay, so, uh, and and their symbol is R. So uh, taking a look at the Rider Systems Incorporated symbol R, uh, not a great start here, James. The PE ratio not material, which means over the last twelve months they have no earnings. Industry is a PE ratio thirteen point nine. Price to sales looking very attractive, point nineteen versus one point one for the industry. Price to tangible book value, 0.87, just slightly above the industry of 0.83. And what that means, you're paying 87 cents on the dollar for their tangible assets. And price of cash looking very good, 0.85 versus 46 for the industry, so that's a positive. Now, they do pay a 7.2% dividend, but there's no dividend payout ratio because they have no earnings. So to pay out that dividend, unfortunately, they have to borrow to do that. Not a good thing, or they're using their cash to do that. Not a good thing during this time. So that's why I'm a little bit concerned they may cut or suspend that dividend uh, because of the cash situation they have. Now, sales are up 6.1% year over year. That is below the industry at 20% growth. And earnings per share over the last 12 months, and this is as of December 31st, not even you know March yet. We'll, we'll see that pretty soon. Their earnings were down 100 and 7%, the industry down 32. That's not good before this situation we have now. Current ratio, oh, not very good either. 0.59, the industry is 0.56. 
and debt to equity. They're, they're, with this company, there could be some borrowing they're doing or something strange, but the debt to equity, 320 versus 264 for the industry. So a high debt industry. And during this time frame, I do not feel comfortable with high debt uh, companies. You could see some bankruptcies from companies like this. Return on equity, a negative 0.81 versus 5.4. Net profit margin, 0.22 versus 7.8. And then looking at receivable turnover, 7.2 below the industry at 8.2. But inventory turnover, very good. 55.8 versus 0.5. Chase, tell us about the earnings going forward. Uh, some positive news on the balance sheet side, I guess. So uh, the, the company actually does do leasing of uh, a lot of its heavy-duty kind of products, which are, you know, trucks and tractors mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, they provide supply chain solutions. Oftentimes when companies are engaged in leasing, it does kind of mess up the balance sheet in terms of the financing and the assets and liabilities. So it might be okay. It might not have high debt in terms of the operations of the business. Just something you'd have to take a closer look at. But if I do look here at the current prices, $31.29, falling quite nicely off its 52-week high of $67.65. 52-week low is $22.62. Now, if you look out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $3.05. That would give us a target sell price of $49.41. So I like that. I think there is some further research. It is, again, a, a transportation-type company with supply chains. I think that when we do have that economy come back, I think a company like this could benefit quite nicely. But, again, you do have to, again, understand that balance sheet a little bit better. I uh, don't want to say no just yet, but I'd be cautious with it. And, actually, I did look at the balance sheet for you, James, as well. And, unfortunately, their cash is only $73 million. So that is not good because this is going to be a very difficult quarter for them. In the second quarter, I could see them cutting that dividend because are they going to borrow for it? They already got a lot of debt based on what they're doing. $73 million in cash. I, I don't have time to look at the, the cash flow statement. I'll show you how much they pay for that dividend. But I, I'd be very concerned about that dividend. And if they do cut it, it could be a problem for the stock. So I, I, I would, I'm not thrilled about this company. I, I would have rather look elsewhere to get something else. All right, James? Yeah. And by the way, I like your comment about the news. It's not results, just emotions. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite of our slogan, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, yesterday, yesterday, the CBS News reported the Dow was up 282 points yesterday. 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 When the market oh, was closed. interesting. <laughs> How did yeah. they do that? Yeah. I was like, I, I, had a second, I had to take a second thought about that. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> the market was closed. It's Good Friday. <laughs> All right, James. Thanks for calling. Don't be a stranger. All right, bye-bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And, Chase, I look at the time. It's 929. I was ready to say, well, let's take a break. But here at the Smart Investing Show, we make it so it gives you more time to call in. So we're here for you. This is your show to get your financial questions answered. Brian, Brian, you're not Smart Investing Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad at all. Um, with considerations of what you guys were just talking about as far as balance sheet, I was wondering about the stock for AMC movie theaters. Okay, do you hold that or looking to buy that? Uh, looking to buy. Okay. All right, let's take a look at AMC Entertainment Holdings, and their symbol is AMC. And Chase, before I look at the numbers, did I hear something this past week about them perhaps 
had filed bankruptcies. They're in bankruptcy talks. In bankruptcy talks. And I was just thinking I have an AMC gift card, and I hope that it makes it through (laughs) so I can use that $20 gift card. I was going to say, you better go use it, but you've got to wait for them to open. So uh, let's look at the numbers here to see if there is any potential of AMC Entertainment Holdings. And, And Brian, you said you're looking at buying it. So unfortunately, no P.E. ratio. It says over the last 12 months they have no earnings. Wow, the price to sale, 0.05 versus 1.57. No price to tangible book value, which means you take away all the intangible assets. There's no value to this company. Price to cash flow, 0.9 versus 17.4 for the industry. They are paying, and I say are, they may stop it, a dividend of 4.62%. And these numbers are terrible. And these are for December. Uh, year over year, the sales growth was 0.19% versus 6.2 for the industry. Their earnings per share year over year fell by 319%. Uh, the industry was down 371. And oh my gosh, uh, this balance sheet, uh, Brian, I wish you had called on this probably you know two months ago or three months ago. Uh, the, the current ratio, 0.35 versus 1.39. That, that means they have about three months of liquidity uh, to pay off the next 12 months of liabilities. Not a good situation. Their debt equity, 400 versus 73. Return to equity, a negative 11.4. That's not good. Net profit margin, a negative 2.7 versus 1.9. And receivable turnover, 21.3 versus 7.1. Chase, I'm curious, do they have any earnings going forward? Well, I, just, I did want to cover, too. I, I think that they announced on Thursdays when the bankruptcy kind of chatter started. I mean, because the stock did fall about 21, 22% just on Thursday alone. Um, so as I said, I, that does concern me when there are bankruptcy talks, especially when that company has a poor balance sheet. Um, but I do look at the current price here, $2.60, 52-week high, $17.07. So again, seeing that massive fall off that. And the 52-week low here is $1.95. I look out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, negative $0.64. Cents, so not estimated to make any money here. I think there's just too much risk involved in this. Uh, I know you said you're potentially looking at buying it, but I think with a weak balance sheet, no earnings, uh, this company, you could make some money perhaps trading it in the short term. It, with, it, uh, isn't that called gambling? Like yeah, I was gonna, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, because that company could move up and down quite wildly uh, during these bankruptcy talks, but you know, I think as a long-term investment, I'd, I'd definitely avoid it. Yeah, and, and Brian, this is not the time that you want to use your capital or invest your money into companies like these because, again, you, you could you could make a lot of money if they turn things around. doesn't look possible, but you can also lose everything you put in because if they do go bankrupt, you, you've lost everything. Much better time to – well, listen to the show. We'll, we'll have, I think, a couple good companies that will say, yes, that looks pretty good worth, worth that. So I'm recommending stay away from AMC Entertainment Holdings. All right? All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, the, my reason was um, – their symbiotic race, uh, relationship with Hollywood. It's like, you know, last year Hollywood made like 19 billion in in, in movie sales and movie tickets, and um, you need a movie theater to, to play them in, and uh, that's all. It was just like Hollywood's not going anywhere, so no. I just thought the symbiotic relationship would make it a, a buy. And, and, and I guess the question beyond that is Hollywood taking all the profits, leaving the movie theater <laughs> yeah. nothing. You know? So got to be careful there. Okay, Brian. Thanks for calling. All right. Thank you, guys. All righty. All right. And that opens up the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah. Hi, guys. I'm um, just looking at uh, NVIDIA. I, I currently own it, picked it up um 
after a few weeks ago when the market kind of bottomed out. Um, it's kind of come up about 30%, but um, I don't think we've seen the market lows yet. So just wondering what you think. Yeah, I'm glad you're calling this because I've, I've been kind of curious about it. It's not one that we hold in the portfolio, not one that we follow, but I was kind of curious on, on this stock. I know they had a very difficult time. Gosh, I think they were like 340. They pulled way back before this even happened. So I am kind of curious what they're doing through this uh, situation right now. Coming again is NVIDIA Corporation symbol, NVDA. We do see a P ratio 58 versus 24. Pretty expensive there. Price to sales 14.7 versus 4.2. Price to book value, 14 versus 18. That's a positive. But price of cash flow is expensive, 51 versus 12.8. Now, they, they pay a dividend. I'm not even sure why. It's 0.24%. They use 14% of their earnings to pay that out. So that's kind of uh, disappointing. Uh, we do see year over year. Sales were down 6.9%. And again, I'm pointing out this was for the period ending January 26, 2020, not even including what we're going through now. The industry was down 41 Earnings per share fell by 25%, industry down 55%, so again, not looking good there. Balance sheet, however, looking very good. Current ratio, 7.7 versus 2. Almost makes me wonder, like, hey, why are you guys sitting on so much cash? Can't you use that ca cash or something else? Suppose let it sit at, you know, 0.1%. Debt to equity looks pretty good, 16.3 versus 63. We do see return on equity also very good, 26 versus 14. Their net profit margin, wow. 25.6 versus 14.5. So that means for every dollar they bring in, they keep nearly 26 cents on the dollar. That's a good profit margin. Uh, we do see receivable turnover 7.1 versus 6.6 and inventory turnover 3.3 versus 4.7. Chase, what about the numbers going forward? Yeah, so I'm having a little bit of an issue pulling up my side of NVIDIA, but uh, I did go to Yahoo Finance, which uh, numbers aren't, I, I think, as good, but it, it still does have some uh, financials and still does have some estimates. Uh, if I look out to, you know, 2022, it looks like they report on a uh, fiscal basis. Uh, the average estimate for earnings per share is $9.09. We apply a 16.2 multiple that. We would actually get a target sell price of $147.26. So, again, it's, it's a company that, uh, you know, I think is a good business. It's just too expensive. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I actually did pull it up, so I, so I got it. So let me give you the numbers. I mean, they, they did close on Thursday, not Friday, but Thursday. $262.95. Their high is three sixteen, dollars uh, low $132. They've come way off that low. And we look at the gap numbers actually Yahoo uses. And very important to understand this. They use uh, um, non-gap. Non, non, non-gap, yeah. There's actually a name for it. Performa, <laughs> I think, is what they call it. There's, a, there's a couple different names for it. Yeah. So, but on the gap basis, it's $7.42. So that makes a big difference on the target sell price, and we like gap numbers because they're real. What, what is the gap number? The gap target sell price would be $120. So either way, even if you look at it on the pre-exempt or yeah. the non-gap basis, it's still expensive. So I, I think there's better opportunities out there. You, uh, you made a decent profit off it. I just think that you know uh, there's not much potential for it to climb as much as other companies out there. And, and I do remember, and it's about a year ago, they talked about NVIDIA because they do a lot of chips for gaming. And then that article, and it was in Barron's, you're going to look it up, uh, they talked about how in the future they're going to be getting rid of those gaming consoles and everything's going to be streaming. And it kind of cuts out those chips that they're making. So I, I understand that business. And sometimes it takes two, three years for things to happen. So the future for NVIDIA, unless they change what they're doing, could be rather dark. All right, John? All right, great. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks for calling. Have a good one. The other thing I look at too is with uh, Nvidia. Uh, they did. They kind of were one of those companies that, gosh, just 
rode that hype for a little bit. You had uh, the the blockchain, and they were doing stuff oh, with that as well. Yeah, and, that's you know right. that really catapulted Bitcoin. the stock higher. And gosh, yeah. I think in one year that stock just I, I think like tripled. I mean, it, it just went up like crazy. Um, and I, I think now it's it's kind of pulled back slightly, but it, it's still just expensive. Yeah. So, uh, and, and again, I got I, I, phone numbers again here eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, that's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, gets you through that unbiased, no strings attached, firm opinion about what you want to talk about. But I, I, I get so many of the calls here that I, I forgot again that this Thursday is our first webinar. That's just our. We've been doing the workshops for, gosh, I've been doing workshops for probably 20 years. Uh, we've had thousands of people come on through, but because of the current situation, we said, hey, let's do a webinar. Working out pretty well because there is no limit on seating. It is going to be Thursday, April 16th. Time's available to uh, go to the webinar. Uh, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and that is p.m. And why would you do this? What are you going to learn? What are you going to learn? How our management style is different from other investment advisors and brokers probably different than what you're looking at now what you're doing now maybe even using mutual funds which we don't believe in mutual funds there's a lot of problems with them we'll discuss why we don't like mutual funds in the webinar also to how to invest what to look for when investing and where you should invest now and most importantly how do you keep those emotions low when you're investing especially during this time we'll explain how to do that and why we do it and also to how our money is invested right alongside our clients money so again it's thursday april 16th uh optional times again four o'clock five o'clock six o'clock seven o'clock p.m go to our website smartinvesting2000.com again that's smartinvesting2000.com you can register right there a lot of other great information there as well so check it out again smartinvesting2000.com all right phone numbers 833-288-0973 Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's head out to Poway and speak with Brian. Brian, you're on the Smart Invest Show with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, gentlemen. It's, uh, at one time, I was in love with a few miners, uh, Pan American Silver and Silver Wheaton and Hecla, but uh, those days are gone. And uh, now I've been looking at uh, uh, two precious metal uh Hedges. One is uh, GLD, you know, gold, mm -hmm. and the other is SLV, Sierra Lemur uh, Victor, or for silver. And I've been uh, some of the reading has uh, basically stated that uh, uh, demand was uh, depressed uh, recently, and uh, supplies of silver are pretty short. Uh, and the the, mar the margin between uh, the the spot price and the uh, uh, the price for uh, bullion and, and coinage is the highest it's ever been. So I'm, I'm curious as to your take. It seems like GLD is riding uh, high when you look at a long-term chart, whereas silver or SLV it got pushed way down recently, and it seems to be on its way back up uh your thoughts yeah and actually lots to kind of talk about this and one thing too is that uh, gld which is gold um the difference between gold and, and silver clv is the etf 
is that there is some uses for silver, uh, industrial uses it can have. For gold, there is no uses really other than, I guess, for jewelry and so forth. But it, it's something that uh, and I, I don't believe um, I've ever had a hedge before on gold until this time. We put a hedge on probably a couple months ago, I think it was. I think it was in January, yeah. It was in January. Uh, we are now close to taking that hedge off. We've done pretty well with it. And, again, it is a hedge to protect against the downside. And i got to say, I'm a little bit disappointed through this whole COVID thing. It did not perform a little bit better. But you have to understand this is not an investment. And, yes, people can make money off gold. It is, in my opinion, gambling. But you did say the correct word, which is a hedge which means you're trying to reduce the loss in your portfolio to have something that will move differently. And the, the other thing I point out with this is commodities just scare the heck out of me because it's like you could buy corn, you could buy, you know, mm -hmm. other types of things out there. It's the same thing in my opinion where you're just kind of looking at, you know, what's going on with the market for that and it's just something that that's kind of complicated. I mean, I, I did kind of look at Solver again the SLV trust here. And back in 2011, uh, the trust was actually trading close to $50 a share. 2011? Yeah. Wow. And now it's around $14 a share. So it's like you can actually lose still substantial amounts of money. And the thing that scares me about the precious metals, about you know agricultural mm -hmm. products, is there's no way to really look and say, what's the solvency of that company? What are the earnings? What are the sales? Is it in a good spot? You really have to try and take some time to understand the supply and demand for it, which I think can be hard to find that info. Um, so I, I personally like to avoid them as investments. Uh, as you said, you might be able to use them as hedges, but even that hasn't worked out the way we would hope. We had hoped. Right. Um, that's why, again, it just kind of comes back to buying companies where you can get a lot more data on yeah. it that, that's uh, really trustworthy at the end of the day as well. Yeah, we got to remember that uh, gold and silver is based on supply and demand. Mm -hmm. If the demand is high, the price is going to go up. Uh, if the supply is low, the price is going to go up. But supply is high and demand is low, guess what? That price is going to fall. That's very hard to predict that. You'll see different things where, oh, India and China, because of this, they're buying gold. And, and I, we've heard so many predictions that gold is going up, gold is going up since January. It, it's gone up a little bit for us, but not the way the hype is. And, and you see these commercials on TV about, oh, gold did great. And I forget the years. From 2000 to 2016, you would have made 1,000% had you invested in gold. Well, who cares about that time? What's going to happen now? So that's what I'm saying. Uh, Brian, you're right on saying it's a hedge. Uses a hedge to try to protect the downfall. I do believe we could have inflation in the future because of too much money chasing too few goods, which could do well for that. But I mean, right now we're having a very hard time because there's some great buys out there on some very strong companies. I'm looking at more putting my money where that is. And we're excited, itching to get rid of that hedge on gold. We're very close to our target sell price on that. So... Does that help you out, Brian? Uh, yes, it does. Thank you. All righty. Well, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line. One. No? Yeah. I almost said it. I almost did. I didn't do it. Yep. 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And I can still say that because actually you got to put that one in still. You know, so you got to put in one eight three three. Two eight eight zero nine seven three, but I I haven't done it yet. I, I and I was at the other uh, we had our show at the other station for what twenty years. I've yeah. not slipped up once yet. No, yeah. you're, we're doing good. We're doing good. I got everything right in front of me. Big yeah. letters. <laughs> Don't slip up. Don't slip up. <laughs> so a lot of other things going on here as well. I mean, we had um, and I, I want to talk about this a little bit, Chase, because we do talk about and again, we we're not saying everything's over. It's all clear. Go out in, in the world. 
but there's things that are happening that are very positive. And this past week, uh, Google and Apple uh, are working together to come up with an app that will detect if the person that you're approaching or talking to actually has COVID-19. Yeah, um, it, it is kind of interesting. Uh, and the problem here is the privacy side of things. I mean, we have seen some issues with other apps and, you know, these big tech companies and people saying they're not respecting the, the people's privacy. And I, I do wonder what kind of hurdles that an app like that would have to overcome to, again, protect people's privacies and, uh, you know, make sure that information is, is being protected. Yeah, and, it, and it's so important for that. But, again, this is another thing that could help the situation because if you know the person next to you and, and again it's going to be almost voluntary I, I believe you, you got to volunteer to do it but what would happen is you have um you you, you have uh um, i love lots of my kind of thoughts <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of reading something yeah. else here um yeah I, wow yeah so i mean now, I, now my age really comes out yeah i know <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, it, it's, again, kind of cool to see all these companies working together. You have, you know, Google and Apple, and uh, they, they, you know, are kind of competitors. It's nice to see them working together to try and help with this crisis. You've seen, you know, other companies. I talk about, you know, Allstate, and you've seen other mm -hmm. audio insurance. They've come out and actually helped, you know, kind of refund people some money. So, I mean, it is kind of nice to see these businesses giving back where they can. Yeah. And, and also do one thing, too, is that we always give out the phone numbers, 833-288-0973. We understand that some people don't want to go on air. They don't want to be on the radio and, and talk or if I mess up and so forth. We do allow you to send questions in, and they may, we may not get to them today. We'll try the next week and so forth to our website. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Send us a question. We'll put it in our file for the radio show, and we'll do it for you probably next week. So, again, have a question about a stock you want to hear, hear about, uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Go to the email section. Send us an email. We'll look at it for you, which is what exactly Tom from Poway did. Um, he says, uh, people have told me that he's kind of overall maybe not diversified and so forth. He's kind of looking at some different industries. So he's kind of looking at uh, asking if in the financial world, if the company PNC – makes any sense. So let's take a look at the PNC Financial Services Group. That is their symbol, PNC, and not a bad start. I mean, the P-E ratio is 9.2 versus 7.4. Price to sales, 2.5 versus 1.9. Price to book value, 1.18 versus 1.10. Price to cash looks very good, 7 versus 12.9. Now, here's one of the companies talking about that has a decent dividend. There's some that are a little bit higher, but a 4.4% dividend using 37% of their earnings to pay that out, which is going to change because, again, these are December numbers, is a pretty good dividend. I think that dividend is pretty safe. And, and I say it's a pretty good dividend. Just imagine a 10-year treasury right now is about 0.7%, 0.8%. So you're going to get a 4% plus yield. So that's very positive. Sales were up on 9.4% versus 3.7% for the industry. Our earnings per share grew by 6.3%, just slightly ahead of the industry at 58 now, financial companies do have a different balance sheet, so there's no current ratio. Uh, their debt to equity, 89 versus 298. Again, understand that financial companies have a different balance sheet, so it's not as important that debt to equity. You see return on equity is 10.5 versus 11.8. Net profit margin does check in at 30.1. 
high uh, profit industry here, 25.5 is the average, and no receivable or inventory turnover. Chase, tell us about the earnings going forward. I did want to talk about the business a little bit too. Sure. It, it is kind of a, a different type of financial company. I mean, they, they do have four different segments that they actually operate through. Uh, they have, you know, just the retail banking side. They have the uh, corporate and institutional banking. And then they also do have an asset management group as well. And then also, lastly, they, they have a, a BlackRock segment as part of the oh, business. Blackrock. They own BlackRock? They, they don't own them. They have an equity stake in them. So that oh. I don't know how large that equity stake is, but BlackRock is actually a publicly traded company. So I'm curious what that kind of does to the balance sheet. Um, it, it is kind of a, a unique thing that, that I don't see too often. Right. And, and actually, BlackRock is one of, I, one of, if not the largest, I believe, companies of financial companies like mutual funds and ATS, which, again, we don't believe in. But still, it is one of the largest, and I'm, I'm surprised they have a stake in that. So. Yeah, that's so am I. So, uh, they actually list it, so it has to be a substantial stake. I mean, it's probably not you know a half percent. It's probably a good portion. Yeah, that's why I was kind of reading through. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but look at the numbers here for PNC Financial Services. Uh, current price is $105.42. 52-week high, $161.79. And 52-week low is $79.41. I go out to December 2021. I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis. $9.72. We apply our 16.2 multiple to that. We get a target sell price of $157.46. I think it looks intriguing. Uh, to be quite honest, I don't know if it's my favorite financial company. I, I, I don't really deal with that type of business too often. I, I don't think they're as popular on the West Coast. Could be mistaken. I, I just I, I like some other financial companies better than this one. Yeah, they're back east, you said, right? I, I don't know if they are back east, but I just don't believe they're as popular. I forget what – I know they do have a stadium. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, do have the rights to one of the baseball stadiums, I believe. Is that back east? I believe so. I believe so, yeah. I would think if you have a stadium back east, you probably would be. It is east. Pittsburgh, okay. Pittsburgh. Yeah, so there was... we, there we, that may, makes sense. And, 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 you know, and what I was thinking about, too, is that there's another financial company, Goldman Sachs. And they've done some strange things lately because they were really known for uh, initial public offerings and debt offerings and so forth, trying to get more into the financial side. Um, I want to kind of compare that to PNC, uh, a different thing. So let, let's take a quick look at the Goldman Sachs for, for people here. Their symbol is GS. Uh, we do see they start off with a PE ratio of 8.8 .8 versus 9.8. Uh, price of sales, 1.2 versus 1.7. Price to book value, 0.74 versus 1.38. That's surprising to me, very low. And price of cash flow, 6.6 .6 versus 3.1. Now, Listen to this, Chase. They only pay a 2.7% dividend uh, and use 20% of their earnings paid that off. Now, that's low for all the banks. Uh, we do see their sales were up 3.3% year over year. Uh, industry was up 5.1%, so didn't do well there. Uh, earnings per share fell by 12.5%. Uh, industry was up 1%. Again, the strange balance sheet, no current ratio versus 2.1% for the industry. Debt to equity for Goldman Sachs, very high, 661 versus 190 Return equity is 10 for Goldman Sachs versus 12.1 for the industry. Net profit margin, 15.4 versus 7. And then receivable turnover is 0.7 versus 0.73. What do the earnings look like? 
Yeah, well, current price here for Goldman Sachs, $184.26. Falling off 52-week high of $250.46. And 52-week low is $130.85. I go out to December 2021. I see estimated earnings on a gap basis, $21.36. That would give us a target sell price of $346.03. I, I do like a Goldman Sachs better than a PNC, to to be quite frank with you. Yeah, and it, it is a well-known company. they got a lot there. So you know, that, that's why I kind of brought up for comparison purposes. I, I do want to kind of point out too that they have had some issues with um you know legal issues overseas uh so that could be problematic i forget the name of it i believe it's in malaysia so do want to understand that a little bit more detail um and also they are kind of venturing into new businesses which is always kind of a a unique challenge for a company so i want to make sure that you understand you know i believe it's called marcus is their their kind of uh retail banking side so i want to understand that stuff um, before buying a company like that all right Let's go for our, our, to our last caller for today. Uh, let's go out to San Diego and speak with Mark. Mark, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yes, hi, guys. Um, looking at buying Western Digital, WDC. Okay, and, and what do you see in that that you thought would be a good buy? And it, um, love Micron. Um, Lamb Research, they all seem to be in the same area. Uh, profits are expected to double. Okay. Well, let's say it's a Western Digital Corporation. Symbol is WDC. Unfortunately here, Mark, no P.E. ratio versus 12 for the industry. Price to sales, 0.9 above the industry at 0.5. No price to tangible book value, but that is true for the entire industry. And price to cash flow is very expensive, 32.6 versus 5.2. And again, these are for numbers ending January 3rd, 2020. They do pay a dividend of 4.4%, pretty attractive, but the dividend payout ratio is not material because apparently they have no earnings over the last 12 months, not good. And actually, the last 12 months, their sales are down 19.6%, when the industry is only down 2%. And we do see earnings per share fell by 247 versus a climb of 48 for the industry. So things not looking good here. We do see a current ratio of 1.9 versus 0.9. Debt to equity, 105, not too bad. I say that because compared to the industries at 224, return on equity for uh, Western Digital, a negative 12.3 versus a positive 29.3 for the industry. Net profit margin, a negative 8 versus positive 4.1. Receivable turnover, 8.9 versus 6. That's positive. Inventory turnover, not so positive, 3.9 versus 8.3. Chase, very curious on the earnings going forward here. Yeah, well, current price here for Western Digital is $45.05. 52-week high is $72, and that 52-week low, $27.40. Now, if I go out to June 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $3.68. That would give us a target sell price of $59.62. So that is positive. I do want to point out, though, I, I have some concerns around the, the the non-GAAP numbers is that's $7.26. So why is there such a large discrepancy between the non-GAAP and the GAAP numbers? Got to understand what they're backing out there. And another issue I have is the earnings are all over the place here. I mean, you're talking back in 2018, $14.73 on a non-GAAP basis, then $4.84 in 2019, then $3 this year, then $7.26. I mean, numbers are all over the place. I like to see consistency with earnings. It makes it a little bit... Uh, I think easier to to find good quality buys where you could have a very good forward P ratio for one year, and then all of a sudden earnings fall off a cliff again. Now your forward P A ratio is not material, so that that does concern me a little bit, Mark. I, I would want to again understand more details about this company. A better stream of earnings makes us feel better. So does that help you out, Mark? Very good. Thanks, guys.
All right, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, uh, well, we got about two minutes left here in Chase. I do want to bring up that I believe Thursday is the opening season for earnings. A lot of differences here. I think J.P. Morgan Chase and I think maybe Wells Fargo come out first as the ones that come out. Uh, we normally look at the earnings, what they've been in the past. This earnings season is going to be different. You've got to look at not just the earnings but the balance sheet. What are the companies saying? Very important to dig deeply into the earnings coming out this coming quarter. And you're going to see bad numbers. And yeah. you <laughs> could see sure. stocks actually skyrocket on bad numbers if they're not as bad as they were believed to be. So, again, be, be careful. Again, looking at these numbers, it's going to be a different type of earnings season, I guess is an <laughs> easy way to put it. <laughs> and, 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 again, that commentary is going to be so important because you're, you're right. They may come out with a bad number that, you know, that they lost $2 a share. Like, oh, my gosh, that's terrible. But what the CEO and the CFO says about, well, we know that's happening. But here's what we're doing to make money, and here's what we see. And also, too, we'll see when the economy opens. But that's the other thing they're going to talk about. What are they going to do when the economy opens? So you've got to really read, read deep. And, this, and we always read you know, the conference calls and the press releases and really understand the quarterly. Look at the numbers very deeply. If you're an investor and your guy is not doing yeah. that, you need to do that. So, and there's a closing bell. Wow, that, that woke me up. Yeah. <laughs> and also no guidance, too, so that'll oh, be interesting. That's right, right. So, all right, as I said, there's a closing bell. So thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for information purpose only and should not be used on investment advice. If you want to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself, Brent Wilsey, or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. Again, that's 858-546-4306. And don't forget to visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information along with investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters. Have a great weekend. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show with Brent and Chase Wilsey. KWFN-FM and KWFN-HD1 San Diego, a radio.com sports station. Hi, this is Pierce Johnson from the San Diego Padres. Plenty of time. Strike him out. Throw him out. Double play. Inning over. Padres play here on San Diego.